I'm gonna, I'm gonna work. You know, I don't know what I was thinking. Like we're gonna go skiing all day or something. I mean, like, what are you actually thinking? And <laughs> but I thought this is gonna be great. I'm gonna get to work with my friends. It's gonna be awesome, and I can't wait. And what I realized is, they call it work for a reason. Because once we, I mean, I got there. I got my my shirt and my name badge, and I'm like, okay, here we go. And all of a sudden, there was inventory and cleaning and helping customers that weren't exactly very happy and all the things that go with that job and, and, and the retail. And then they asked me to clean the bathroom. And it was the most awful backroom work bathroom you'd ever seen in your entire life. And I remember standing there with all the, the cleaning supplies thinking, this has got to be the worst job ever. But something clicked at that moment, and, and I said to myself, and I don't even know what it was, but is, I, I basically said, I'm going to clean this bathroom so well that this will be the cleanest this bathroom has ever been since it was built. And I went at it, and I cleaned it, and it sparkled. In fact, everybody took turns going back to look at how good the bathroom looked. And the manager went back there. He even took the owner of the store, who wasn't named Royce, so I'm not sure why they called it Royce Sport and Ski, but he took him back there, and they, and they said, and, and they're like, wow. And, and, and then they said, we have a job for you. They had a warehouse that they had not organized ever, and they said, why don't you go there and see if you can make heads or tails of everything. And so went into this very dark, uh, probably rat-infested warehouse, and I, I began to help clean with some of my friends, and we, we reorganized it and everything. And, and I learned a valuable lesson in my first job, is that when you work hard, there's, there's always a place for you. Because I noticed some of my friends didn't stick around long, and I heard a lot of people complaining about money, but somehow I kept getting that paycheck and getting a little raise here and there. And I, I realize that if you work hard, there'll be a reward. But that's not always true, is it? Especially in our economy today. So maybe there isn't that incentive to work very hard for you or even to look for a job. But, but God wants us to talk about work tonight because he talks about it in his word. And because between the, the age of 18 and 65, the average person, this is not overtime, the average person will spend 100,000 hours working. Have you ever thought of that before? In an average work week with vacation, you will spend approximately 100,000 hours at work. Now, don't worry, it's not that bad, because I know most of you are on Facebook while you're at work, so it's not really that bad. No, I'm just kidding. But, but it, that's a long time, isn't it? In fact, you, the only thing you will do in life more than work is sleep. So work is what you do most of the time you're awake. That's depressing. But yet that's life. And so that's why God wants us to talk about it. Because he has obviously got a design for this, right? I mean, if we have to spend almost all of our life doing something, don't you think that he's got a plan for it? And yet, that's probably the one part of life that we don't let God in. We let him in everything else, church and family. But yeah, when I go to work, we kind of hide out from God. 
because God doesn't fit there. He doesn't belong there. We've been told not to bring him there. And yet there's no place you can go to hide from God. It says in Psalm 137, or 139, verse 7, where can I go to get away from your spirit? Where can I go to escape your presence? If you read through Psalm 139, I love that psalm because it doesn't matter how high, how low, how wide, how deep. It doesn't matter where you go. God's spirit is there with you. You're not alone. And as you read through that psalm, he says, you know what, I'm here to help you. I will do whatever you need. I'm, I'm here for you. And so don't I want God's help at work? Don't I want His Spirit, His power, His presence? And shouldn't I find out what God says about work? Because we really all work. And you can say, well, I don't really work right now. Well, you might be out of work right now, but I bet you you're working to find work. I bet you that, that, that uh, you may say, well, I'm a stay-at-home mom, and, and so I'm not really at work. Are you kidding me? We're all working. We're all doing something with our life, and it doesn't matter if you're retired or an entrepreneur or you're a volunteer. Somehow, some way, we are chasing something. We want that something, that carrot, that thing that's out there, and we want to go get it at work. There's something about work that, that drives us, and, and I just hope you're going in the right direction, and maybe you don't feel like you're going in the right direction. I want to talk to you about that, and I want to talk to you, are you satisfied with what God has given your hands to do? And maybe there's more to work than what we've been thinking that will lead to what we really crave in life. And so as we look at God's Word tonight, we're in a series called Life of Faith, and we're talking about life at work, but if you want to go back and visit any of our messages, you can do that online for free and just go through each one, and they've been so good so far. But our verse for this series and for this year is this, Colossians 3.17, and you can open your Bibles to the, the book of Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to stay there tonight. It says, in whatever you do, no matter what it is, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus and in dependence upon Him, His person giving thanks to God the Father through Him. That everything I do, it doesn't matter what it is, how big, how small, everything I say and I do, I, I do it for Jesus. And so I live all of my life for Him. It doesn't matter how young, how old, or where you find yourself, you live all of your life for Him. And right after that verse, it begins to tell us how we live as spouses and in our homes. And then it goes into, in starting in verse 22 and following, how do we live this out at work? And we need to see what God is teaching us about how to live out His Word. Because when we live according to His Word, you will experience the blessings of God. It doesn't matter if you're a teenager. It doesn't matter if you're all the way retired. Everybody in between, when you live according to God's Word, there are blessings that come to your life. Don't have to look at it. It'll be on the screen. Deuteronomy 28, verses 1 and 2 says, If you listen diligently to the voice of the Lord your God, being watchful to do all of His commands which I commanded you, all the blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. That when you listen to the voice of God and when you obey the commands of God, the blessing of God is all over you. And so let's look and see, what does God tell me to do at work? What are some principles in my life that I'm supposed to put into practice at work? And for the students here, you can just put this into school. What does God want you to do at school or at work or with my life? The biggest chunk, the biggest part of my life. It says in Colossians chapter 3, beginning at verse 22, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. Excuse me, in everything you do. 
try to please them all the time, not just when they're watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. But if you do not do what, excuse me, but if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you have done, for God has no favorites. Once you keep your Bibles open, and I want to keep this verse on the screen for the next several minutes, and I want to look at what God is saying in his word here. And you might have a different translation, so that's even better. You'll have even more words and more principles to get down because God is trying to get something to us through his word. In the New Testament, it talks a lot about slaves and servanthood, or what we call bond servants, and, and it, it addresses, it takes time to address these, these people that are kind of at the lowest level of employment, if you will, in the first century. And you may say, I, I feel like a slave at work, but that's really not what I am, and, and so how does this apply to me? Does it even fit? Because he's talking to slaves here, and, and in other books, he's talking to servants, and so that, that's, how does that fit into my life today? What Paul is doing here is he's giving us God's understanding of how you live out your life inside the economy in which you live. And so that happens to be the economy of that day, but the principles work in the economy of our day and how we live our lives and the work that we do, whether we are the employee or the employer. And so I want us to look at what the New Testament says. It's very interesting in the New Testament that it spends so much time talking about servants or slaves because uh, they're kind of the lowest of society and there's so little in the New Testament that is given for rulers or for authorities or people that are in power. It seems like the majority of God's word is spoken to people who have given their life in devotion or service to others. And that's who God chooses to talk to, the lowest of the low, the, the ones who had very little consideration or very little ranking in the society of the day. And so when you, you look at that, it, it, it's kind of surprising, isn't it, that God would spend that much time talking to the least of these. But that's how God works. That's what he wants to get across. He says, it doesn't matter who you are. I love that about God, don't you? That he says, it doesn't matter who you are. You can live your life for me. And no matter how low you are on the flow chart, you can have a service that glorifies me. That is in, in, in my employment. God says, I want you to work as unto me. And so no matter what you do, and this is very, I want you to be super clear about this. I don't care what you do for a living, and for some of us, you don't even get paid for what you do, but I want you to embrace it as a calling from God. Because God says, I, I want to give you some principles to live out your life, whether you are the owner or you are the slave. There are principles for you to live out when you go to work. So what are those principles? First one you can write down is the principle of obedience. The principle of obedience. And again, this works no matter how young you might be here tonight to how old, but there's a principle of obedience. You'll notice in this passage of Scripture, if we can keep it on the screen, that it talks about that we must obey in everything. 
And that, that obedience is also a willing obedience. That we would try to please our, uh, uh, the person we work for all of the time. No matter what we do, some translations say whatsoever you do, that we would be obedient, that we would serve all the time willingly, that we would work hard or cheerfully, one translation says, that we would work hard or cheerfully when we go to work. That, that idea of working heartily in the Greek, it literally means to work from your soul. That I'm not just doing what I'm doing to get a paycheck, or I'll obey you because I have to obey you just to get it done. But that what I'm doing, I'm doing from my very heart, my very soul. That that's what God is saying. I want you to give yourself to work like that. And this is that lesson that we talked about earlier that God is saying that even the most humble service that is given to God suddenly becomes dignified because you're doing it as unto the Lord. You're doing it for Him. And the thing that I love about the New Testament is this, is that there is no distinction between secular and sacred work. It seems like in Paul's understanding, it's all sacred. Because it doesn't matter what you're doing, you're doing it as unto the Lord. There's a book called uh, The Practice of the Presence of God. It was written in the 1600s by someone by the name of Brother Lawrence. He was an uneducated, kind of least of these kind of guys. And he gave himself to a life of following God. And, and so he entered the monastery, but because he wasn't smart and, and, and he wasn't part of the elite, he, he came in and for his whole life, he did nothing but work in the kitchen and do the grunt things in the kitchen and, and wash all the dishes. And, and he spent a little time as a cobbler among the, the other monks there, but, but he was the least of all of them and he served them willingly. And he did it for his entire life. And Brother Lawrence is known for his devotion and ability to bring God into every aspect of his life. And it's one of those books that I read at least once a year. I also have it on, on audio so that I can listen to it as well. And I encourage you to get it. And, and it's actually all over, it's, it's all over the internet for free. They just get a PDF file of the book and you can read it. But what's amazing about him is that no matter what he did, he did it with joy unto the Lord. He saw that as he washed that dish, that that is something that needed to be done, and God had called him to do it. That whether it was cleaning the bathrooms or, 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 or helping mend clothing, whatever it was, that, that God had chosen him to do that for someone else. And could there be anything better? And he did it as unto the Lord. You know what amazes me? Is that hundreds of years later, we're still talking about him and reading his work and being challenged by it. And that monastery full of other brilliant people, we don't even know their names. We remember the one that worked as unto the Lord. The one that gave his whole life to work for Jesus. I encourage you to read his story and, and find out more about it, but that is one part of work. It's just being obedient. The next part of work, or the principle that I want you to get a hold of, is the principle of integrity. The principle of integrity. That I work with this obedience, and this willingness, and with this kind of heart and soul, and I work that way 
all the time. Not when somebody's watching me. Not just when the, the bonuses are coming around. Not just so that I can get what I But I do it all the time. Even when nobody's watching. Even when it doesn't seem to matter. That I do it with sincerity of heart. And I do it out of the fear of the Lord. Because look, God never takes any time off. He's always watching you. He's always watching. He is the master. And He is always watching. And, and so you work with all of your heart. Even when no one else. Even when it won't, it won't benefit you one bit. You still do it with all your heart because He's watching. That's integrity. And that actually leads to the next principle, and that's the principle of perspective. It kind of goes hand in hand with integrity and keeping the perspective that I'm not doing this to be a people pleaser. See, a lot of times in life we do something because we want somebody to like us or we want to get something. And it's not about pleasing people, it's about pleasing God. And keeping our perspective that He is the one that I'm serving Him. I'm not, I'm, I am serving other people, but actually I'm, I'm serving Jesus. He is the Master that I'm serving. He's actually the Master of the Masters. He's the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You know, you may have a boss, but that boss has a boss, and that's Jesus. And He is in charge. And so I'm living all my life for Him. God is over your boss. He is number one. And guess what? He gives, as this passage tells us, the ultimate paycheck because he's watching and he's keeping track. And he tells us that what is coming is an inheritance. Now, what if you knew that you had an inheritance coming? And I'm not just talking about like with millions, I'm talking about billions that were coming your way someday. I mean, you would live in a whole different way, wouldn't you? And you have a heavenly inheritance coming. God is watching you. You can't put a price tag on what you're going to get someday. And so you've got to get a hold that He's watching and he's, he's tracking and He's seeing how is this person living out their life at work. And He's keeping these records. And He says something at the end of... Uh, this passage that we read that should just kind of chill us to the bone because he says, you know, I don't show any partiality. I'm going to pay back the good and the bad. And when you read that, that should be a wake-up call because you know what? Right there, he's not necessarily talking to the slave anymore. Now he's talking to the owner. And he says, I don't care where you're at. Where you're at. I show no partiality. I don't matter if you're the lowest on the totem pole or the highest on the totem pole. You will reap what you sow. So if you are a manager, if you are a boss, if you are an owner, this goes for you as well. That God is watching and He is seeing and that we all live our life for Him. That He is in charge and you will get what you deserve you will get paid someday. And so we have to keep this perspective that I serve Him, that I live for Him. As I serve others, I, I'm ultimately serving Him. And so I go back to Colossians 3.17 that everything I say and everything that I do, my whole life, all my life is lived for Him. And so I want you to get this inside of you that, that these principles need to be at work in your life, but... As you hear this, you can say, okay, Pastor Darrell, I'll do that. I'll, I'll live that out. 
but I'm still so unsatisfied in, in life and at work. I'm giving all my life toward this one thing, and I, I just don't feel like it really matters. I'll be obedient, and I'll do what I'm supposed to do, and I love God, so obviously I'm going to live for Him. I'm going to live all my life, but I, I, just, I just feel so empty with the biggest part of my life, and that's why I want to talk to you here is that I believe sometimes we get so into, whether you want to call it chasing the carrot or, or, or you know, just wanting to, you know, you, you, just I need something. I, I need that, that sale or I need that raise or I, I need that promotion or I just want to get to the, my retirement. If I can just make it to my retirement, then, then I'll have made it. And we go through whole of our life and all of these things we think, if I can just get to that. We're looking for something. Everybody is looking for something. But let me give you some help tonight. Your work is not a bottom line game. It's not one of those things, if I just get this, if I just get that, then I'll be happy. It is not a race to the finish line. And the reason it is, isn't, is because life's not that way. Life is not a race to death. There's a lot in between that God wants to do in our life. And so let me give you kind of a perspective of this. How many of you guys love fireworks? Like going to the show. I mean, I don't know about you. My family loves it. And a lot of times, because it's on July 4th, we find ourselves out of town on vacation. And so it doesn't matter where we're at, if we're in a city or in a rural area, we're going to find where the biggest fireworks show is, and we're going to go to it. And, and I love fireworks show, and they, just them going off, and, and uh, you know, but I don't know about you, my favorite part is the finale, right? How about you guys? Just boom, the big ending, right? And then you're kind of sad because it's over, and you've got to wait a whole other year, but that, you want to get, and you know when it's kind of starting, and you're, you're just like, the whole show, you're like, oh, is it, is it now? And... Like, no, it kind of dies down, it comes back and dies down. And then, then it starts going and going, and you're like, it's a finale, and they're honking their horns, and people are cheering, and it's an exciting time, isn't it? But you know what? You don't just live for the finale, do you? Because that actually happened this past year in San Diego. So when you get home, go on YouTube and type in San Diego 2012 fireworks, and there's going to be something that pops up. I was going to show you tonight, but I won't take your time to do that. But, but basically, all the fireworks went off at one time. Somebody hit the wrong button, and everything went off at once. And it took less than 30 seconds for all of them to explode. And when, it did, and when you watch it online, you're going to be like, oh my God. And one reason I want to show it, because it's so loud, it's like overwhelmingly loud. But they all go off in less than 30 seconds, and I mean, the crowd goes nuts. Because they think, if this is the beginning right? They're like, oh, and, and people are like going, I mean, you can't, they're cheering and honking and oh, man, and then nothing. Black sky silence. Kids start crying. Parents are like, what's going on? Is this budget cuts or, you know, what's, you know, you know, and because and, it all went off at once. Because it's not supposed to be that way. You go to a concert of your favorite artist, and, and I don't know about you, but I, I love going to concerts. I love, I love music, and I, I, I like all kinds of music, but you go to that concert, and you're listening, and, 
And you know when it, you know, it starts getting to the end and, and it's like going crazy and then, you know, everybody's like cheering and, and you know, that, that big finish and the big, you know, big, uh, the big uh, crash symbol at the end and everything, ah, you know, and, and in fact, you don't want it to end, so you start cheering, encore, encore, because you want them to come back and, and do it all over again. And maybe you get to hear your song, favorite song, or maybe you get to hear it a couple times and you're just, you're going crazy. But you don't want it to end, do you? There are times in, in that concert you're like, I just wish this could keep going. Kind of like with worship times. It's like, I just wish we could keep doing this because it's like, this is so good. But that concert comes to the, the cymbal crash at the end. And if it was all about the big finish, we would play the music as fast as we can to get to that cymbal crash. But that's not what it's all about. That's not what life is all about. That is not what work is all about. I'm going to work hard, and I'm going to work fast, and I'm going to eat as much as I can so that I can get to the end, and then there's this big crescendo, and you will end with a dark sky and silence. And you'll wonder, is that all there is? Maybe God's plan for work is that it would be a big part of our life, in fact, the biggest part of our life, where we could serve Him and other people. And we could live out love. We could live out what it means to have joy in the Lord. That we could live out a life in reliance on Him because we're in a job that's difficult. Maybe it's not just something we're supposed to get through but God made it the biggest part of our life because He's got something for us to do in the middle of it. Maybe He gave it to us so we could live out His greatest commandment. Maybe He gave it to us so that we could put our reliance on Him and love Him, as it says in Mark chapter 12. Love God with all our passion and prayer and intelligence and energy. And that we could love others as well as we love ourselves. Maybe that's why God made work such a big part of our life. And maybe it's time that we start living out our assignment from God at work. And find our purpose not in what we do, but in Him. And find our meaning and what we really crave is to, to love God and to love others and, and to do that well at work. Maybe we'll experience God more when we find out that we're fulfilling His call on our life and that what we do, whether we're changing diapers or we're making the big sale, that what we're doing really does matter to God. What if we embraced work with all of our passion and prayer and intelligence and energy? And I believe that if we did, you're going to see the ultimate paycheck in the end. Let me ask you to bow your heads and your hearts with me tonight. And the music's going to start playing in just a moment with your head bowed and your eyes closed. This isn't one sermon on work. I've been hearing it for a few weeks now. We're going to hear it for, for some more time after this. But I believe God is, God is speaking to you tonight. Wherever you're at in your work journey, no matter how frustrated you might be, wherever you find yourself, I want to tell you that God has a plan for you. He's got principles for you.
And your work is definitely not a race to the finish. But it's a moment-by-moment walk. And my prayer is that someday, just as it is with a great fireworks show or a great concert, you're in that moment where you're living for God at work and you're saying, I don't want this to ever end. Because I feel God using me in this life, in that life, and in this job, and that job. I'm going to pray for you, and then I'm just in the quietness of this moment. We're not going to sing a song. I'm just going to let you have some time with God. I'm, I'm kind of done talking here, and now the Holy Spirit needs to talk and talk to you about where you work and what you do. Like I said, it doesn't matter if you're a stay-at-home mom or a CEO. Your work matters to God. And He's got a call on you to live all your life for Him. Since you spend most of your time at work, He's got something there for you to do as well. God, we love you tonight. We love your word. God, we're challenged by your word. God, there are some in here that absolutely hate their job. They hate where they're at. But God, I pray that tonight they would give it to you. And God, it wouldn't be a race to get this done. But it would be lived out for your glory. There are those in this room that are just beginning their work life. There's others that have come to the end. And Lord, there's all of us in between. But God, whatever we do, whether we're young and starting out, or older and now volunteering, God, we want to live all of our life for you. And so Holy Spirit, right now, would you speak to every heart and every person here for the next couple minutes. Holy Spirit, speak and, and begin to instill your principles into our hearts and our lives. May we, in this quiet moment, just recommit ourselves to the calling of work that you placed on our life. We wait on you now. Come, Holy Spirit.
with your head bowed and your eyes closed, I'm, I'm going to ask for you to take a moment to make a commitment. Maybe a, a renewal of your heart to live all your life for Him. But especially in the context of what we've talked about tonight, that you would live your life for Him at work. And that you would embrace whatever you do. And you would do it as unto the Lord. That you would do it in His name and for His glory. That you would realize that there's nothing too small or too insignificant that doesn't matter. you just embrace it all for him and do it as unto him even when no one is watching when there may not even be a paycheck you'll do it as unto the Lord I'm going to ask you the head bowed and eyes closed because this is just between you and God I'm going to ask you if you want to make that commitment and I'll pray for you if you want to make that commitment I'm going to I am going to work as unto the Lord. If you're going to make that commitment tonight, I'm just going to ask you to stand your feet right now. Stand up. Don't stand up unless you want to, but if you want to make that commitment tonight. Thank you. Lord, you see everybody that has stood to their feet at this moment in time. And, uh, Lord, that's just their heart to yours. That they are going to live all of their life for you. That they are going to work for you. They're going to work unto you. And God, I just thank you that uh, they are not alone. You say in your word that uh, there's no place we can go to escape your presence, to escape the Spirit. And so God, I thank you that you're going to be with them at work. You are going to be their helping hand. You will be their guider, their comforter, their friend, their help, their strength. And uh, Lord, I just thank you that when they do it to the least of these, they've done it unto you. God, I thank you that there is a great inheritance that's coming for all those that live and, and work for you. Bless them, Lord. Be with them. Give them courage and strength. I pray that there would be such a powerful, supernatural transformation in their life that the people around them even begin to notice that something's different. Maybe even, Lord, that would open up a conversation about you. God, that we would be able to share you and your love with those who need it most. So Lord, use us as a vessel in our workplace. And ask everybody to stand tonight. And we're going to receive the blessing of the Lord. And, and uh, as we do, maybe you just want to spend a little more time with the Lord. Maybe you just want to connect with Him and, and um, 
Maybe just say, you know what, I, I don't know how this is going to work, but God, I, I just want to be with you. And maybe you just need a little more time with the Lord. You can spend some more time with him tonight. If you need special prayer, I'll be down front. But uh, um, we want to go in the grace and the peace of the Lord and, and, uh, and go out and live our life for him. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May he smile on you and be gracious to you. May he show you his favor and grant you his peace. God, I thank you for that blessing that rests upon your people. Lord, we need it this week as we work. But God, I pray that this week of work, something would begin to change. And uh, God, that we would live for you. Whatever you called us to do, we would live all of our life for you. Lord, keep us safe and strong until we can gather together again and worship you as the church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.